1: CBS News. This is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome to a special episode of The Takeout, and I'm kind of venturing into uncharted waters for me. Uh, The world of UFC. Um, If you were to dangle a lot of money in front of my eyes, I could probably tell you exactly what UFC is stands for, but I wouldn't be sure. So I'm going to turn to our guest, Daniel Cormier. He can tell me all sorts of basic things, and then we'll get into some of the intricacies about what he does. How is it that this very up close, I think it's fair to say blood sport at times, can be among, if not the first globally, one of the first to get back into things uh, amid the pandemic. But first, uh, we're going to start with where the country is right now, which is gripped by not only a spirit of protest, a spirit of hunger for justice, and uh, a little bit of frustration at the lack of justice. So, Daniel, it's great to talk to you. It's great to meet you via Zoom. Uh, Let's start there. I would like your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think we're in a a very dangerous time for our country right now. Everybody's so divided. Um, When you start to see these incidents where people are getting – you know, killed, uh, murdered, and and, in public. And the world now is just in a place where everybody's just upset. And it's not just black people. It's it's people of all colors are coming together to show frustration for the cause, uh, for the sake of their neighbors and their friends and their people in the black community. And so you see a ton of frustration just right at the forefront of everything that is happening right now. I do believe that uh, change is necessary, but I do believe that there is better ways of going about finding that change than some of the actions that we are seeing in the streets today. It's saddening when you see some of the greatest cities in our country uh, being destroyed. And I, I was watching Good Morning America uh, yesterday, and it was peaceful during the day. It was anarchy at night. And that's that shows that the people that are causing these issues aren't doing what they're doing for the correct reasons. It's just to be disruptive and and divide our country even further.
1: Are they opportunists and uh criminals?
0: That's exactly what's happening. You know, people are taking the opportunity to attach themselves to uh something that started out so good and turning it into something. That isn't 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 very good. You know, so when you see people looting and stealing and honestly just tearing up businesses that people have worked their whole lives to build is very
1: saddening. So let's get personal. Uh have you had any experiences that you would regard as biased, discriminatory, or racist in your life? I think in
0: your life I think you deal with things at times, but I've been one of the lucky few people. I've been not not, not even a few. I've just been lucky in the sense that the people that i've been around have been caring i mean i've dealt with things but nothing so outright bad that i feel like oh man i don't know if i can live in this country but we everybody deals with stuff you know like i've dealt with things um but just not at the level of anything we saw happen in minneapolis or uh what we saw happen down south it's just um those are those are such bad cases of of people doing things Uh, just outwardly wrong, that you don't, uh, you hope that no one would ever have to deal with it. And unfortunately, it's happening more and more, uh, so much later in in the world than anyone would have expected.
1: Was there ever a time in your young life where you got the talk?
0: You know, I grew up in Louisiana, right? So that was always a part of it. You know, there was racism in Louisiana. I I remember, uh, I think David Duke had a television show on a public access station on tv every week in my hometown so racism was very uh prevalent like you could still see it so on tv it was on tv <laughs> it was on tv in my childhood david duke still had a television show so racism is still there you know i just think that we as a people have to come together to just treat each other fairly like just let's just be fair to each other let's love and care for each other and not Uh, let's just try to, let's try to get away from the ways that made our world so ugly, uh, before I was even here and, and the world that my grandmother and my, my, my mom and my dad rest in peace had to live in where things were just so unfair to them.
1: Do you feel in general frustrated as an African-American man in this country?
0: I feel frustrated after seeing what I saw last weekend on that video. I absolutely feel frustrated. Um, There is frustration. There is frustration because at a point there has to be something that changes. And I don't know what that change looks like. I just think that we as a people have to try to affect the things that we can touch and hope that it snowballs into something so much bigger. And I do believe that all these peaceful protests will allow for people to start saying, we need to listen. We have to listen to the complaints we have to listen to the words of the people that feel oppressed and um and and I, but yes anger for what happened in Minneapolis anger for what happened down south uh to Ahmaud Aubrey like just anger for
1: those instances absolutely mm-hmm. and there are those who as they hear your voice would say in addition to those names Eric Garner Yes. I mean they, they would uh Philando Castile
0: so many people yes they, they would
1: they would the names trip off their tongues it, they know it, the names
0: it just keeps on the list goes on and on and on and every single time it never feels any less angering than it does uh today it's always upsetting and um you just hope that there comes a time where these instances they don't happen and they they don't they just don't happen they just don't happen.
1: Where are you in your UFC career? And remind me again what UFC stands for.
0: The ultimate fighting <laughs> championships. <laughs> major, I think I would have gotten ultimate, it. I think I would yeah, have gotten it. Major <laughs> the ultimate fighting championships. And uh you said earlier, you know, at times it can be a blood sport. There is blood, right? There is blood, but it's 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 one of the fastest growing sports in the entire world. You know, um, I think it's 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 something that you truly It's something that anybody can watch and enjoy because it's a fun sport, uh, and and guys are so well trained and so physically gifted and so so excited about these competitions. It's it's honestly for me the best sport in the world outside of wrestling. I love wrestling, but uh, uh, mixed martial arts is 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 honestly the uh, the best sport in the world to me. And you would like to have at least one more bout, correct? One more bout. I'm going to fight against Stipe Miocic, hopefully. Him and I have fought twice for the heavyweight championship of the world. I beat him in the first fight. He beat me in the second fight. So if you're one and one, I mean, it just makes all the sense in the world to settle it. You know, Stipe's a great guy, uh, college athlete, um, firefighter in Cleveland, Ohio. So, you know, I think when people think about fighting and mixed martial arts, I think what gets lost is the level of person that is now competing inside of the octagon you got college level athletes you got college graduates you got people that have seen so much in this world be- before they come to MMA you know i think in the world it was thought that when you had no options you went and fought that's not the case you're getting people that want to be in the octagon and compete uh in the sport of mixed martial arts
1: and what does mixed martial arts mean
0: it's just a mix of all sports right the ufc is the biggest organization in mixed martial arts but there's a number of organizations outside of the UFC there's Bellator there's the one championships over in Asia but it's it's wrestling it's jujitsu it's boxing it's kickboxing it's all those sports that come together to form mixed martial arts you fight in an eight-sided octagon uh five five minute rounds for championships three five minute rounds for uh any other fights it's uh it's crazy you, you've never, you've never said, "Hey, Major, you've never seen anything like it." You watch fighting, and the hairs on your arms. You see that beautiful haircut you got there. Yeah, you know exactly. that nice, fresh haircut you got right there. It'll go straight back the
1: moment you step into a UFC event. I'm telling you. Right, and I think there's a generational difference because I grew up watching boxing, probably the yes. tail end of boxing uh, in its great heyday in this country. Joe Frazier, Ken Norton from my hometown in San Diego, Muhammad Ali um and that was when that was like I said the tail end so boxing was one of the dominant sports in this country in the 40s 50s 60s and 70s and for those of us who grew up watching boxing UFC looks so shocking to us it looks so much more brutal but I've been told by people who are much more skilled and knowledgeable about this than I am that there's probably less damage certainly less brain damage as a result of UFC or mixed martial arts than boxing.
0: Yeah, and look, those names you just rattled off in terms of boxing. I grew up as a kid in Louisiana, and my uncles all watched ABC, the Wild World, the, the Wild World of Sports, right? And those guys would show on Saturdays, and I love boxing myself. But in boxing, you wear 10 ounce gloves under 147 pounds, or 8 ounce gloves, and then once you get over 147, the gloves are only 10 ounces. In MMA, we fight in 4 ounce gloves. Right. But you don't fight for 36 minutes in a championship fight. You fight for 25 and everybody points to the fact that when a guy falls down, you could jump on him to try to finish the fight. But in boxing, you know, and I don't want I don't the one thing I don't want it to seem like is if I'm saying that I don't love boxing. It's one of my favorite sports in the world to watch. It's one of the greatest sports um, in the world. But because of the eight count, right, you get hurt, you get all wobbled and knocked down and hurt. You get a second to kind of regather yourself, then you go back out there and fight. That's why you see more of the sustained damage in boxing opposed to mixed martial arts. When you get hurt in MMA, if you fall down, the guy jumps on you, referees jump in and stop the fight. You don't get eight seconds to regather yourself, stand back up, and then go and continue to fight. But I mean, I wouldn't, honestly, as a fan of boxing, I wouldn't change the way boxing is. I, it, it's beautiful when it's done at the highest levels. It, it's beautiful. They call it the sweet science, and it
1: absolutely yep. is. So, you are also a commentator in the sport, yes. correct? Yes, I and am. And you've and you've done some calls of matches without fans, right? Yeah, yeah. What's that's, that like? It's different. It's different, major, because
0: you can hear everything. You can hear. We we did one in Jacksonville, and that was before the UFC was able to come back to Vegas and use. The the our own facility. The UFC has its own stadium. Dana White has his own stadium built to host fights himself. But before we could fight here, we had to fight in Jacksonville, Florida, a full arena, fifteen thousand seats, with maybe eighty people in there combined. The fighters, their coaches, and then the commissioners, the referees, and it was the most eerie thing. But by the end of the night, I was like, I didn't hate it. I could hear all the instruction from the coaches you can hear all the, the action of the fight from, from the, the heavy breathing to the sounds when somebody lands a strike. It was just <laughs> – it, it was so – it was fulfilling, man. And then last week in Vegas, we watched it for the first time, and it was the same thing. I was like, you love the ebbs and flows that comes from the crowd, right? The, ah, you fall in love with that. But fighting in that arena with nobody in there without the crowd, it was actually really good. Do you think it changed the way the athletes themselves experienced the bout? I think the fighters are the ones that are dealing with it in the most different, as- different ways, because they're used to hearing those big, oh, like the big applause when you land a good strike, or if you hurt somebody. Like they had the fights we had on last weekend might have had six or seven of the eleven fights got finished, whether by knockout or submission. Crowd would have been going absolutely rabid. It would have been crazy. But we were just on to the next fight because there was no crowd. So it would it would it goes up and down with the crowd, but the fighters have handled it beautifully. What is Fight Island? Fight Island is a place where the international fighters are going to fight because they couldn't get into the United States. Fight Island has taken on a a it's taken on a, a image of its own, right? Because Dana said it. He goes, we're going to build a fight island. And I don't know if he might have said it just kind of in jest. It, it just took on a life of its own. So now it's like the infrastructure is being built. There's an island somewhere that nobody wants to tell us where it is that is going to have an octagon. It's going to have chairs, and all the international fighters from around the world are going to go there, and they're going to compete. I can't wait for Fight Island. I'm so excited to watch Fight Island because I think back to the movies, right, the old movies. Right, we're right. going fight on the beach. I'm like, amazing. <laughs> Who's Dana? Dana White is the president and, and owner of the UFC. Uh, he, you know, he, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen him somewhere. You know, he's one of the biggest personalities across all sports. You know, he's uh, he has been he has been um, so set on getting back to business that I believe that he has truly him and Vince McMahon have almost single handedly laid out a plan for major sports to get back to business in the United States. And I believe the whole entire
1: sports community should be grateful for him. And Vince McMahon, head of WWE. Yes. And is there any relationship uh, between those two as sports?
0: No, no, no. The sports are completely different. Wrestling is sports entertainment. Uh, WWE does it at the highest level. UFC is mixed martial arts, and we do it at the highest level.
1: Right. And as you said, WWE is entertainment. There is a choreography there. There is no choreography in UFC. No, I wish
0: you can choreograph my fights because they just make me win all the time. I swear <laughs> everything fight. I feel like Hulk Hogan back in the 80s when you would hold the belt for five years. But no, there is no choreography, man. We go in there and uh you're gonna win or you're gonna lose. And most of the time that result is determined in the training room and how hard and how committed you are to becoming a champion. And, uh, again, it is the most, one of the most beautiful sports in the world.
1: What are your thoughts about safety in terms of the pandemic and this sport? Now, uh, my son wrestled through high school. Anyone who uh, is a wrestler or knows and cares about someone who's a wrestler knows that they deal with all sorts of things, the mat rash or worms yeah. and stuff and things that are just part of being up close and physical, sweating on people, breathing on people, this close proximity. You sort of deal with that. I'm not saying that that makes you – perfectly prepared for this, but it makes you better prepared and more conscious of some of the risks.
0: Yeah. You know, I believe that when we were in Jacksonville, we had three events and three guys tested positive for COVID-19. A guy named Jacare Souza and his three cornermen. They quarantined him, helped him in his recovery to get better. But the testing is insane. The first test in in Florida was kind of First real sport back, it was kind of like, let's guesstimate as to how we want to do this. This week when I got back to Vegas, the testing has completely changed. I got there Wednesday, got tested Wednesday in order to work on on Friday. I had a show to do on Friday on ESPN. On Friday night, I had to be back at the hotel by 7 p.m. Because that's when the testing for that day was done. Once I tested before 7 p.m., now I am quarantined to the hotel until i leave to the arena the next day i wasn't allowed to go out and get dinner i wasn't allowed to do anything it's just test after test after test after test to ensure that everybody that's in that arena is healthy and then the nevada state athletic commission took it to a whole nother level they put plexiglass in front of me and the other commentators because we were the only people in the arena allowed to not have a face covering on everyone else outside of the fighters wore face coverings the entire time even though they had all been tested um, all week leading up to the fight. And then generally, after a fight, I go into the octagon, I interview the winner. This time, I got up from my chair, turned around, faced the camera. They walked into an interview zone, and we spoke in a double box in order to talk to each other. So the, the guidelines are just so strict to ensure that we are making sure that you stay ahead of this pandemic. And the moral of that story is this is an overreaction or no, this is how you do it. This is what you have to do right in order to try and make sure that you're not only protecting just the fighter, but everyone they're going to come in contact with over the course of their time here in Vegas, as they get ready to step into the office.
1: What's Vegas like right now? Different.
0: It's so, it's so like bare. There's nothing. All the casinos are closed, right? So if I go from my hotel to the gym to work out, I hardly see anybody. It's, it's, It's weird to see, like I said, man, our, our, some, our towns are getting looted and riot and places are getting set on fire. And then you come to a city like Las Vegas, but was always so full of life. That's just kind of dead. Um, I'm I'm ready for our world to go back to what it was before this COVID-19 pandemic. And I hope that we are, we are getting close to that time because, um, things have just changed too much too fast. And, um, I believe that all of that is, is is just making our world just a crazy place right now.
1: So based on your experience with UFC and everything you just talked to the audience about in terms of preparations and precautions, can you see the NFL being able to come back this season? I know you're not, I mean, that's, I'm not asking you to predict. I'm just saying yeah. you have experience with this, yeah. but they would have to do it at such a larger scale. Yeah, I, but I do believe that it's possible, right? I do believe after watching
0: uh, what the UFC has been able to do, what um what now soccer is doing uh i think it's la liga the the league they're starting to play again i believe that when the nba uh locks down a site which looks like it's going to be the wild world of sports in uh florida once all that starts to come in place i do believe that um there will be uh sports and i believe that at some point there will be sports and there will be fans but at half capacity, maybe 25 percent capacity, you know, because with the social distancing guidelines that are in place today, you see that the number of cases are starting to go down. The curve is starting to flatten. So if you do the same thing in sport, in athletics, you can go on and allow for the world to kind of get going again. But you're going to have to continue to abide by those rules that are in place.
1: You talked about the NBA. Talk to me about Kobe.
0: Man, you know, I did a show. I do a show called Detail uh, at ESPN with Kobe. It's Kobe's brainchild, you know. It's it's the show where we break down video, and I'm the MMA guy for it, and I met him, and he was just a great guy. Like, he would light up the, the room, and he was so engaging, and he was so smart, and he was a visionary. He understood exactly what he wanted for Granity Studios. And it's just sad that he's gone way too soon because I felt like Kobe's second act was going to be better than anything we had seen. And you know how tremendous uh, he was on the basketball court uh, with five championships and MVP to his name, Olympic gold medal and everything else. So um, now every time I do a detail, I try to ensure that I do it to the highest and the best of my ability because I want to try to honor him with every single episode that I do.
1: What are the details about Kobe uh on the court that uh stick out to you?
0: The preparation man. There was nothing like it. The preparation, the intensity, the the commitment to winning. You know, even I, I see a lot of guys after especially after watching Michael Jordan uh the documentary The Last Dance, it rubs some people wrong to see the way that he was, and Kobe mapped his life out like Jordan. But the truly elite, the truly special ones, the ones that aspire to be like that, they have no problem with the way that those guys behave because that's the mentality of a champion. I mean, I've won belts in every organization I've ever competed in. And there are a lot of times you can ask my coaches and teammates if I was a bit of a, you know, but that's what you have to be because nothing else will satisfy you but to become the best of the best. And, it was that preparation in colby and that intensity that truly drew me to him as a competitor and made us so easily it was so easy for us to do this whenever we came together on detail
1: yeah we'll use a softer word jerk uh but it there 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 <laughs> are there are larger much more uh uh, multi syllabic words that are often yes. applied but we'll just say jerk yes. but there is but if i hear you there's an intentionality about that and uh i know i'm going to be accused of this and i don't care
0: yeah it's like you know what you want to accomplish i can be i can be a jerk at times because i know what my goals are my goals are to be the best in the world and when you want to be the best in the world sometimes uh people got to get on board especially in a team sport like basketball um michael jordan a lot. He made those guys step up. Kobe Bryant made those guys step up. Um, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, Draymond Green—they make guys step up. LeBron James makes guys step up. That's why every team he goes to elevates itself. Because if you don't step up to his level, you're going to get left behind. That's what—that's what the best of the best does.
1: Is that part of the history of friction between Kobe and Shaq?
0: I think that you got alpha males, right? Like two <laughs> alpha males, right? Like both of them are alpha males. But again, um, Shaq was more of a, and still to this day, right? Shaq's a great guy, and Shaq is so lovable, and he's so affable. That's why he's on every commercial, and that's why every company wants to be in the Shaq business. But Shaq was probably like that in the basketball room, like sometimes laughing and joking. And KB was like, "I want to get to business because I have a championship to win," and that probably was part of the reason there was a little bit. But those guys were brothers because what they did together. accomplished tremendous things and I think that um, I don't think they would change anything honestly looking back I don't think Shaq would change anything about his relationship with Kobe because they you know they they accomplished what they were supposed to
1: together. You mentioned you've been a champion at many levels I want to ask you about something that I've heard other athletes describe which is when the pressure is the highest and the stakes are highest a sense of calm and almost a silence of the noise around them overtakes them. Have you experienced that? Where do you think that comes from? Is that a result of preparation? Is that a result of knowing where you're going more than anyone else around you?
0: You know, when you look at, I remember walking into the fight with Steve Emil just the first time. He was the longest reigning heavyweight champion of all time. I was the light heavyweight champion at the time. So it was champion versus champion. And I looked into the eyes of my coaches and everybody seemed nervous and everybody was very like, our guy's going up in weight to fight this dangerous man. And when I walked into that octagon, I just felt this ease about myself. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And, I, and it happened from very early. I, I fought a guy named Bigfoot Silva. I had seven fights. I fought for less than two years. I fought the number four pound heavyweight in the world. Guy was 6'5", 280 pounds. And when I got in the octagon, I was like, I'm supposed to be here. And then from that moment, I just never feel lost in the moment. I don't know if it's from all the wrestling. You know, I made two Olympic teams when I was wrestling. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's just something. Maybe I think it's just a competitor in me that when things are really tense, I just kind of take notice of it. I take note, and then I go, okay, this is what it is. You know, now it's time for me to do what I do and what I've done my whole life. I know that when the fights start, Major, There's a pin that closes the octagon door, right? So that we don't go flying through the door whenever we go into the side. And every time I'm in there, I can hear it. Like 18,000 people. I've never fought in an arena now since I've been the champion of fighting for belts for the last five and a half years, six years, in an arena less than 15,000 people. And in that 15,000 people, I can feel electricity coming through the bottom of the octagon into my feet because I'm not wearing any shoes. I can feel my body jittering. But every time the, they tell me walk to the middle, I stand face-to-face with my opponent. I go back to my side. He goes to his side. I'm looking dead at him. The, the camera crews and everybody leaves. It's just the referee now, me and that guy. I hear when that guy drops that pin in the octagon on the locket. I can hear that clinking sound. And then I know, okay, everything else blurred out. It's time to go to work. It's the best.
1: How has the pandemic been to your waistline?
0: Oh, pandemic was terrible. I mean, let me tell you something. Hey, not everybody holds up as good as you do, Major, with the way that you're looking right now. I mean, you're looking, you lost five pounds when you got your haircut. I put on 15 <laughs> pounds in the midst of the pandemic, but I've gotten it back off now, and I'm starting to feel like myself. Now.
1: Daniel Cormier, it's been a great pleasure. I really appreciate the time. All the best of luck to you, and uh, I will watch avidly yes. the next opportunity that presents itself. Be well, be safe, and be good. Thank you. Thank you, Major. Put some gym shorts on because Lord knows
0: what you're going to do to people in your house when you get invited at UFC buzz. The Takeout is
1: produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Zoe Poindexter, and Jake Rosen. CBSN production by Eric Susanen, Grace Seekers, and Daniel Peebles. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS Audio. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.